Hi there, how's it going? I'm Bonnie Violet. I'm a trans femme, genderqueer, spiritual drag artist, and digital chaplain. And in case you don't know where you are, you have found yourself at Dragon Spirituality uh, with a special series that I'm super, super, super excited about. Um, it's called Idaho Drag is Divine. And so this is the second interview of about seven or eight because the cast is building. So be sure to check out the links in the description to see who's up next. Most every like Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, and now Friday um, for the next two or three weeks has a guest. Um, all the guests are someone who are currently living in Idaho or maybe once did. Um, and so I'm super excited about like the diversity within the group and just, um, yeah, I, I am, uh, as you can see, I'm super excited. And I'm really excited about our guest today, uh, Miss Callie J, who is in Pocatello. I'm gonna bring her on in a second. Um, yeah, I think I'm just gonna do that. Let's go ahead and get this thing going. So um, our guest today is Miss Callie J. I said that right, right? No. No, <laughs> darn it. I felt like- No, it's fine, it's fine. It's. I told it's myself fine. to ask you first and no, then I didn't. It's Miss Callie G. And Callie instead G. Instead of giving you the long backstory, I'm just gonna remind you. It'll be it's G, like Jesus. Oh, so is it like, like Jesus? It wasn't originally. It was oh. actually just a G. It was actually just a G. And then okay. they spelled my name wrong with the Idaho State Journal, yada yada. But yeah. Oh, I got you. Well, well, we got off to a great start, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the worst to say somebody's name wrong. So I do apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to go ahead and just Give like a little brief intro to yourself. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm Miss Callie G. I live here in Pocatello, Idaho. Um, I have uh, since 2013, oh goodness, that's 10 years, 2013. I started going to college here and I left, I had like a brief mistake in Oregon that I hold dear to my heart. And mm -hmm. then I came back and yes, we. I've been part of the local community here. I am the president of Reading Time with the Queens, which is an organization that reads children's books to kids and families um, with an emphasis in teaching us all how to love and accept ourselves and others. And I also am a member of Trinity Episcopal, uh, which is just across from Pocatello High. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thanks for helping us get going. And for folks who are listening to us um, or watching us, um, feel free to engage if you're doing it during our live airing. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have questions or comments, if you want to tell us we're beautiful, you know, whatever it is you want to do, um, feel free to do that in the comments. If you get not cute, uh, you know, we'll get not cute back, but not really. We'll just ignore you. But <laughs> that's not a challenge. Uh, anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and just get right in there. I often say I don't. I'm not good with foreplay. Um, so let's talk about your childhood. Um, oh you yeah, <laughs> let's, let's unpack. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about just kind of what your experience was with spirituality, like kind of what you were taught as a as a young person? Yeah, um, I grew up in the Treasure Valley, so Meridian, and then Nampa. I went to school in Nampa. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up Baptist, so I went to a, a church in in Meridian, and it was a it was a very evangelical church. Uh, so I, that's kind of how I developed my Christianity, um, and I, you know, it was very much like uh, praying the believer's prayer is how you like start your journey, and I did that very young, and. Um, I, you know, being a, being a queer person, it was really difficult to progress through my childhood in that sect of Christianity, um, as it is for, for many people who just aren't accepted in their home churches. So as I grew up, I found it really difficult to be there. I got really interested in musical theater. I, I found out, like, I developed the language of, um, you know, understanding queer identity. And so um, once I realized that that was me, I hid it away from myself immediately and I just mm -hmm. started kind of searching. I started going to um, a Nazarene church for a little bit because there was a girl there that I thought was really cute. Turns mm -hmm. out I just really wanted to be her. Ah, and, <laughs> and there's then, a story uh, there, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, hi, Darren. Um, I 
you know, I just was kind of falling out of, um, falling out of Christianity for a little bit when I, the first thing I wanted to do when I went to college was find queer people so that I could, you know, relate to them and explore more of myself and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I went, I went to a Presbyterian church, but it wasn't until I was invited to be a part of the church choir at Trinity Episcopal by my good friend Trent that I found my church home. Mm-hmm. And I was really able to explore my identity as a Christian and a gay person. So that's when, a brief overview. Yeah. So were did they speak about LGBTQ folks when you were growing up? Or was it just like, like for me, they just, it was just never talked about. Right. So it was like, I think, I think they probably did in hushed tones. Um, mm. It's certainly not now where it's, it seems like it's very brazen, right? Yeah. Um, that's like a platform it's on thing. the agenda. Yeah. We're like, right. we're going to talk about this today. Yeah. It seemed to be, I didn't really know, understand what being gay was until I was a teenager and I was forced to like grapple with the world as it was. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, when I, you know, but the thing is, is like, because there is no way to understand that and no one's having conversations about it. Yeah the the homophobia is certainly still there a lot of it's implicit mm-hmm. and um some of it was explicit i remember i remember um kind of like one of the last tries at me being a teenager at my baptist church i was at um a youth group and i i was also in cats at the time oh. <laughs> and they um you know they said anytime you get the moment you can you can do these stretches so you can get better at ballet and i was a teenager and i had certainly not done any ballet and i wasn't mm-hmm. that good at it so i was just like you know no one's talking to me i'm gonna go off in the corner and like do these these stretches up against the wall or whatever and mm-hmm. oh my goodness childhood friends i'd had since i since my family moved to meridian when i was like two let themselves feel uh, like they could tell me who I was at, at that moment. Oh, so wow. that was a really, that was a really hard time for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I, I had a church family, I thought, and I found that that was, you know, I, that, that disappeared really quickly the moment I started mm-hmm. to show any kind of queerness. Yeah. And yeah. so was church, so church was something that you had enjoyed. Oh yeah. I loved going to Awana on Wednesdays. I, um, you know, the only reason I stopped doing Awana is because they asked me to be in the church play. Um, and what's Awana? I'm oh, sorry. That's a, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. So it's just basically just like um, the the weekly kids like youth program. Group? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So they would have like a game time. And then there was a time where you learned and studied and recited scripture. And then they would have like a, like a lesson. So it was, it was, and, and snacks, you know, goldfish, mm-hmm. things like that. Awesome. So um, so, so, so it sounded like you might, did you, I guess, when were you first exposed to drag? That's a good question. Probably Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those like acceptable kinds of, um, drag that is, is part, part of a lot of young people's existence. Cause it's not really seen as like a problem when what Robin Williams is doing it. Right. Um, and other things like, you know, like the church lady on SNL, cause my parents would let us watch SNL, um, but I didn't really understand that drag was an art form in and of itself until I was in college and I had friends that were showing me RuPaul's Drag Race, which had been on for a couple of years at that point. Mm-hmm. And so did you have like a response when you first saw drag as in like, that's something I want to do or were you oh, kind yeah. of like? Yes, absolutely. I um, I really glommed onto that. I, I did do a drag role when I was in high school. I played... Um, someone had dropped out of the cast of Into the Woods and it was a girl. Mm. And um, the way that like my junior year went, like I, I restarted high school my junior year. So they had already cast the plays at the high school for the whole year. Uh-huh. So when there was a, a role for playing Jack's mother, I I was like me, I would love to play mm. that role. Um, and that was so much fun for me. Um, but I remember like really fighting against like the 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 type of femininity they wanted me to do. I remember mm-hmm. the director who was my friend was like, you need to get like really big boobs. Like you're going to play like a boisterous old woman. And I was like, but what if I want to be pretty? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, I had done drag up until before then, but 
Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how integral it was to the queer community until I saw RuPaul's Drag Race and the Charlie's Angels came to um, Idaho State University to do a show. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the the Charlie's Angels is a drag troupe, right? And- yeah, they're they're the drag troupe. Well, not the only now, but at the time they were like the drag troupe. The of, drag troupe of yeah. Charlie's and Pocatello. So you were saying, so in high school you were doing drag. I did drag once for a, for a role, and my I feel like my family was like, mm, "What's going on here?" But like, my mom knew that I loved Into the Woods. I remember mm-hmm. watching it together with her. We ended up being when my music theater had done a production of it a couple of years prior. We ended up being stagehands, so she knew like that was like a thing, and I'm sure she'd heard me like quoting the lines of this character a lot. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I felt. I felt like this was my time, you know, to, to mm-hmm. show who I was through this, this character. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't really want to do like a, like a mean portrayal of her. I just really wanted to do, um, I just wanted to do comedy through, through that gendered performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how would you, um, how, how would you compare it to the way your drag is today? It's a good question. I think I still, um kind of tend towards the comedic side i certainly like outfits that are um a lot more colorful and mm-hmm. you know a lot of the drag that i end up end up doing is is for reading time i think that i try way harder on a reading time outfit than i do for anything mm-hmm. at like a bar show <laughs> um uh and i think a lot of it is just theatrical right a lot of the mm-hmm. the things that i'm doing i I'm a singer, so I do a lot of singing at the club, and that's not something that every drag performer does. So it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. unique in a lot of spaces. Um, and like last night, I was doing a a, a number that I with a with a, a friend of mine, uh, Ophelia, and I described. It, I was like, okay, let's go and do a piece of theater because it wasn't just like going out. Not that there's anything wrong with this, of course, right, right. Fine, but like going out and doing a lip sync number. We were lip syncing, but we were telling a story about two people that were getting together and exploring their queerness for the first time. So that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I think that I've held true to that. Well, and and was that at a bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was at Club yeah. Charlie's. Okay, cool. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the things I love about having these conversations too, because I think when people maybe only see RuPaul's Drag Race, they only have like a one idea of maybe what it would mean to do drag. Right. Um, so... So you're talking about what kind of story were you trying to convey? What was the... So have you heard this? Do you know um, Chapel Roan? I don't. Okay, she's a she's a wonderful newer artist, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, she has quite a few singles out. And this one song, uh, Naked in Manhattan, is about um, having like a, a crush and just like just coming into your, um, uh, your, your queerness as like a young lesbian. And mm-hmm. so that's that's what we were we were doing like this scene where we're sitting there like watching essentially like Mean Girls or something like something that we really like and then you know end up getting to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> when did you get into reading time? Like what what drew you to that? Right. So reading time was actually a project um, of so I had run for a pageant called Southeast Idaho Gay Pride Pageant. And um, I had won the youth title because I was 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I had done it with my friend Zaornia um, and also Marina Zirconia. Um, they Great have names. all, yeah, there's some, <laughs> there are good. Yeah, Zaornia Nagahide, Marina Zirconia, and me, Miss Callie G. And um, we were getting towards the end of our reign, and I just was really like, we felt really strongly about the idea of a pageant title holder ensuring that they're doing something to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. And this, at the time that we had started, which was 2017, gosh, things are going by quickly. Uh, okay. 2017, um, Drag Story Hour was really coming into its own. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an English major, I, I saw that as something that we could do. Like, I can do family-friendly drag. I can do reading to children and I can pick up my ukulele and sing a couple songs. And we really have done that. Um, Zay is deaf. And so we incorporated some deaf culture by teaching the kids some sign language. Mm-hmm. And it 
since then, you know, we, I had moved away and then come back. And the first thing that people started asking me was like, are you going to start doing reading time again? Mm. And so we started a nonprofit and um, it just, it just kept going, but we've done it really consistently since 2019. So. Yeah. I, I was real impressed. I watched a recent one that you did, which was a little bit different than I think your, yep. your normal uh, experience, but I was, I was really impressed with just, uh, yeah, like you played, you, you played, you played music and you sang and you, you know, um, you had ASL and you taught people, you know, too. And I, I just thought it was really, I thought it was really great. I enjoyed Thank it. You. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think we had just created it because it was the type of thing that we probably needed when we, we would have liked to have yeah. when we were young. Right. I didn't have, like I've mentioned before, the vocabulary to explain my queerness and I didn't understand what was going on with me at the time. But I think that if I had been able to go to a program where I was able to just see a queer person living a happy, healthy life, yeah. I would have felt way more comfortable, um, you know, trying to figure out who I was. And that might not even, obviously I'm a queer person, but that that's probably not, doesn't need to be the story for every single kid or every family right. member that comes. It just might be the, permission to be yourself right well it is well and I, I think people often want to sexualize our community it's like mm -hmm. we're only known by our sexuality and it's like to actually see people who are queer in non-sexual environments like church like the library like you know like wherever i think those are, i think all that does is kind of allow people to see that you can exist yes people have sexuality but also there's more to a person and there's more to a person than their sexuality, you know? Right. I, I think that that's important to, to know. Cause I certainly, I mean, everybody has asexuality, even if it's the absence of one. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, my, my queerness really lately has just been more about community and culture mm. and understanding who I am in relation to the world. And it's really less about, um, you know, sex or who, who I, yeah. who I love. Um, and I, and I want people to see that part of us. I want people to see that we have vibrant communities and that we hold events for each other and we try to uplift each other mm -hmm. and we explore our gender. We explore, you know, our faith, we explore lots of different facets of ourselves just by, by being together and, and yeah. bonding under this LGBT umbrella that we've been, um, under for mm -hmm. decades so yeah so how is it that you identify it sounds like you identify as queer is there are there any other labels you would place on yourself at this time yeah. of your life um i just um i would just say that i'm a, a, a from day to day i'm a gay non-binary person mm -hmm. um and from day to day I, I always say like if i get like a name tag i always put uh he they she which i think is a little mm -hmm. jarring for some people at first because um, they, they, you know, it's just not something you see a lot, but I always put contextual next to it because mm -hmm. I want people to remember that, you know, um, there are certain times where you can use certain pronouns with me and certain times that you shouldn't, gotcha. right? When I'm at work, he and they is way more appropriate than she, but when mm -hmm. I'm in drag, if you call me he, I'm going to have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but you know, I, I don't really identify with maleness or being a man. So, mm -hmm. um, I, why, why I like the pronoun he, that's not something that is tied to any kind of overt singular masculinity, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, it, it makes total sense to me. I think there might be some folks who, <laughs> who don't quite understand that, but I, you know, I totally get what, get what you're saying. How would you say that? drag relates to your your we, you were talking a little bit more around gender um how does how would you say it um impacts your gender if at all i think drags really afforded me the ability to explore that part of myself um i can i'm way less concerned about seeming feminine <laughs> from day to yeah. day which is so liberating i i just remember growing up and having your gender policed all the time um wearing certain things and hi Haley um where you know wearing certain things and um or like not wearing certain things or like 
portraying yourself, how you, how you stand, how you put your, your shoulders back. Um, and I just, I think when I get in drag, I feel wonderful and pretty, mm. but it's not something I want to do on the daily. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not something that I feel comfortable being in all the time. There last month, um, I knew that we were going to get a lot of, uh, attention for, for reading time. I didn't know what kind of attention, but in January, uh, I w- has, I had actually planned on not being in the reading time program, but um, after we had, you know, some things had happened locally and I felt like I needed to be there. Um, mm-hmm. And I ended up like being in the program eventually. Um, but it was like a, a thing, like last minute the night before I was like, I need to be in drag at this event. It's going to be weird if I'm not, it's part of my armor. It's part of, mm-hmm. it, it helps me feel more powerful um, in a way that just being normal me, normal me, whatever that is, right. just doesn't, right? It, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's like armor is what I kept mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that as well. Um, how, I guess I go not going to jump to spirituality a little Let's bit. Let's do. Yeah. Um, where does, um, where does spirituality land with your drag? Have, how do they, did they ever feel like they didn't couldn't exist together, even in like your, I guess, the now and then. I think that it's, there's certainly a period where, hi, Colin. It's just all my friends sending me hearts. Isn't this so That's nice? good. That's good. <laughs> um, I, I, I certainly, there was certainly a period of time in my life where I felt like my queerness and my Christianity did not mesh, or I was trying to figure out how to get them to mesh. Mm-hmm. And that's been a journey in and of itself. For my drag, I think that I've been very privileged in being afforded uh, since I've started doing drag uh, pretty seriously, um, the ability to not have to hide that part of myself. I'm Mm -hmm. very grateful to be part of a church community that knows I've done drag, that I do drag. Um, I've been very privileged to be part of a Christian community that embraces it. When I lived in Corvallis, my priest was like, you should, you should like, um, you know, we should do programs for the kids here at the church. And I, he, he, you know, the, the church board let us use a room there for a mm-hmm. reading time once for a fundraiser. Um, when I, when we, in 2020, February, 2020, we had gotten also a lot of um, attention for mm-hmm. reading time. And um, a moment that I will hold dear for my entire life is a, the priest came up and, or had me come back from the choir loft and, and blessed um, my work and the work mm-hmm. of our program, um, you know, up there in front of the altar. And I, it, it's what, what a difference from being scared to be who you are um, in the church that you grew up in mm-hmm. to finding a community that is not going to bat an eye or turn you away. And in fact, embraces and blesses the work that you're trying to do to make the world a better place. Yeah. Well, it's so powerful and healing to be able to kind of like be back, like to be able to come as you are now, especially as someone who thought to be or was told that you weren't eligible or worthy or even had God in you anymore, to be able to exist in how you are now and loved in ways that you were before. It's just, I. it's one of the most healing things I, I've ever yeah. experienced. I cried hard tears of joy. I, I can imagine. So I know um, we've kind of alluded a little bit to things and I, I know oftentimes I don't want to like derail too much, but I know uh, Protect Drag in Idaho is something you're very passionate about mm-hmm. and you're one of the the main leaders from my perspective on uh, on the campaign. And I'd love to give you an opportunity to talk to you, talk a little bit about why that's important to you. Yeah. Well, I think I've seen like firsthand this weekend or this last weekend, how, what that really looks like in, in action. Um, just to give a little bit of background to anybody who doesn't know in October, uh, a lobbying, a fairly new lobbying group in Idaho called the Idaho family policy center, which is a conservative Christian, um, I guess lobbying group mm-hmm. um, with a anti-LGBT band. They announced that they would be working to introduce legislation that bans drag in public in Idaho. 
What that actually will look like, we don't know. There's been a lot of these types of bills across the country at this point. Um, they also said that they would be introducing it in the first days of the legislative session, and that has not happened. It is mm. uh, most of the way through February, so I don't know if they know exactly yeah. what they are talking about, um, but I think that's part for the course. Um, I am, I've just been, it's, it's something that weighs close to my heart, right? Because the type mm -hmm. of thing that they are trying to go after is reading time and, and pride. Um, things that I have and do feel are very important for our community, right? I, mm -hmm. I, of course, I'm biased as the president of reading time. <laughs> but for pride, I remember the first pride I went to was in Idaho Falls in, uh, in September, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, as a college student. And it was just so healing to be out in public in a public park. I know that it doesn't seem like much now for many like seasoned queer people, <laughs> if, mm -hmm. you, if you'll allow the term, but like uh, for a young uh, college student, freshman, yeah. that was really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they know that. I think that people who don't want drag in public know how powerful this art form is mm -hmm. for queer people. It's how we fundraise. It's how we come together as a community. It's how we, you know, relate to each other, explore our ourselves, um, learn to accept ourselves, and have fun. <laughs> and and that's the type yeah. of thing that they want to to take away. Um, and the mask it is a, a, some kind of like protect the children type mm. of agenda. Um, and I just don't, I just don't buy it. I've seen yeah. how they actually act towards children this last weekend. And I, I, I think there was a time when I felt that our dissenters really were concerned about the children and I was mm. able to connect with them on that because yeah. I am concerned about the children too. Like I've right. said already, we're trying to create spaces that we knew that would have helped us when we were younger. Mm -hmm. um, but more and more, I just feel like it's it's a it's part of a larger historical uh, pattern of using the children as an excuse. The yeah. children, our children, as of you know, like every child is their child to mm -hmm. um, hate on queer people, to hate on black people, to, to, to restrict women. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that, so when that started, I just was trying to think of ways that we could like fight it and, um, you know, just getting people together so that we could figure it out activism is not something that I have a lot, have had a lot of experience mm. with in the past. So um, it's, it's really, really new territory for me. Um, and I, I almost feel guilty that a ban on drag is the thing that's gotten me off my mm. seat and into the, the, the proverbial streets. But um, yeah, I, I've been really blown away by how, much everybody's come together and work together to do things like create postcards and send them to our legislators or, um, you know, write letters um, on the, on the protecting drag issue and also ensuring that, you know, trans kids can get the health care that they need, that they're able to use the bathroom at school, mm -hmm. that they can access stories about themselves in libraries and schools like these are all very important things and it's all part of a same the same you know uh agenda to yeah. really take away their ability to see themselves and to discover who they are as they grow up through those really pivotal times yeah um, i've totally lost the plot i've just been talking no no you're totally okay question was. no i was just asking why protect dragon idaho and you're just oh yeah i, I think it's it fun and... i think drag's fun <laughs> i um yeah i well, one of the things i wanted to one of the things that i was impressed by is um you know recently you know the folks decided to do like a sit-in and take all the space so the kids couldn't be there to hear the stories or whatever and my first was response was kind of like, okay, when are we going to go sit in their church, you know, and take up space in their church? And I really liked your, your, um, your response uh, about just like, well, and because I feel the same way, oftentimes we want to fight fire with fire or, you know, that sort of thing. And, and uh, I never really 
saw myself as that person, but I definitely, when I saw what happened with your event and what was going on, like, that's what I wanted to do. And I was impressed with your, your thoughts. So what's your response to, to how people are coming? Like, guess what's your response to that? Yeah. What had I, did I say to you? I said, um, oh, <laughs> yeah. I said first, I don't want to put my community in harm's way like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Which I think is really important. But also I think that Jesus warns against this eye for an eye kind of reaction. That's like a gut reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear the phrase turn the other cheek a lot. I don't think that that gets portrayed in the correct way. Mm-hmm. I felt like it, it's, it's very much like a, if someone strikes me on one cheek, it's almost like a, do you want to try that again? Right. Here you go. <laughs> do you want, did that make you feel good? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to keep making you feel good? You don't actually want them to let you strike you on the other cheek. Right. But yeah. you know, calling them out for what they've done is certainly appropriate. Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing to them. I don't believe so. Yeah. Um, and I believe in their, in, you know, the Baptist ability to congregate, I believe in their right to to have their own space. And I just am asking that they respect our right as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but bravo. Sorry. And I'm not saying this just like, cause like, yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's a normal reaction. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people have said the kind of the same thing. And I, like, I've been in a Baptist church. I grew up in one. I don't want you to go yeah. there. That's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a fun time for you. That's not going to be healing. That's just going to make you more angry and sad. Um, yeah. So on a larger note, um, I've just been really trying to think about, especially with stuff with reading time, how we're going to protect kids, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I'm truly worried about it. I don't want kids to be in the middle of some kind of fight um, yeah. between adults. And I don't think that it's their job to pay for our sins and our yeah. inability to get along. Um, so, you know, exactly how we're going to move forward with that. I don't have an answer for that at the mm-hmm. moment, but we're, we're searching for one. And I think right now, really the important thing is to, you know, ask our leaders to uplift the queer community and um, you know, remember that all of us have the right to exist in public, even queer people. Mm. Hi, Chris. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. And for folks who are uh, listening, you know, I want to invite you again. We have about uh, 10 minutes or so left of the conversation. So uh, if you have a question you've always wanted to ask Miss Kelly or <laughs> or uh, whatever, feel free to do it now. Yes, I've been very nervous about what I was going to say today. So I'd like to, <laughs> I'd love to know what you want to know. Right, right. Well, and, um, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting how like you still like, yeah, it's such, a, such an interesting time, I think, in Idaho in particular, and with everything that's going on. And uh, I know as somebody who lived in Idaho, didn't live in Idaho, and now living back in Idaho, it's definitely a little like, there's so much progress and there's so much great community uh, to like, like you were talking about to like, you know, there was like chosen family and we really are, it's it's just a beautiful, rich, um, like community. Uh, It's great that, that, you know, because yeah, I mean, I don't know, just getting embraced with that. Sorry. I'm, I'm rambling now. No, I completely agree. I think I've been very impressed and happy by how the community has come together. And I think that it's really interesting because I can't sit back and say like, I can never say that the people who sat in on reading time last Saturday didn't win because they certainly, they accomplished their goal, which was to make sure that children weren't able to attend our event. However, if they think that they've discouraged us, they're sorely wrong. Queer people are much more resilient than that. And I've really seen, and our allies are much more resilient than that too. And I'm very, very impressed with my community in the aftermath. Indeed. And we do have a question from the, the peanut gallery, is that a negative term? That wasn't meant to be a negative term, but we do have a uh, question from the audience. <laughs> Kelly says, what has been one of your favorite or most joyful moments from reading time? Oh dear, that's such a hard question. Actually, I take it back. I don't wanna know what anyone wants to think. <laughs> <laughs> um, what has been a joyful moment? I, in lieu of thinking of a specific time, I think I'll just say um, I'm continually um, blessed and honored, again, to have a community, but especially a board of directors that 
believes in our mission so much that they continue to listen to my ramblings every month during a board meeting and continue putting on amazing programming and getting better every single time. I'm so, I'm so happy to have, you know, friends and, and, and allies that are dedicated to that work. Um, it's joyful for me when, especially like pe even people outside of our organization, um, you know, they understand the importance of the work and they, and they, you know, give us funds to do amazing crafts at pride and, and things like that. And, um, you know, make sure that we're, we're, we're comfortable and that we're, we're always supported. That's that, that brings me life. That's, that's very happy. That's a, that's a happy time for me because I I'm able to remember that, you know, the, the work that we're doing is important. It's important to a lot of people. It's much bigger than me. It's much bigger than our board it's 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 a community effort yeah and what would you say is what's your like dreams for cali g like where would you like to see is there a stage you want to see yourself on is there a thing you see yourself wanting to do at some point in time what are your hopes you know i i don't know i'm trying to make it through the next day bonnie mm, <laughs> every day is real good. that's real yeah, isn't it um yeah. i'm trying to survive right now um i think when I was young, I really wanted to be uh, an actor. I think mm -hmm. I've kind of, I'm not, I'm not given up on that dream, but I have shifted it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to just put on programs and shows and do cabarets and, and concerts that are, um, you know, speaking from like my artistic view, I've always wanted to do like, for instance, um a, a concert of just mr rogers music <laughs> mm. i find a lot of um i find a lot of joy in mr rogers i bring a lot of mr rogers to reading time um but also you know he was a, a presbyterian minister presbyterian yes and um you know i i read quotes from him all the time and i um and and i think that that that's i think that's the energy that we need kind of in the world right now is is uh love your neighbor type that Mr. Rogers brings. So yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. So, okay. So a specific thing, an action item. I want to do a Mr. Rogers concert. Concert. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. That'd be awesome. That sounds really great. We do have a question comment. Uh, Rowan, who I want to say thank you for helping moderate for us this evening. Um, ask as so many people continue to use Christianity, the Bible, et cetera, to hurt and harm people. I'd love to know who your role models are as a queer person of faith, other than Jesus, obviously. Uh, yeah, G Big JC is really up there for me. I think that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can only aspire to, to live by Jesus's teachings, and I think that we all should. Um, I just mentioned Mr. Rogers. I think that's mm -hmm. a that's a big person, big big one. Um, I try to really emulate you know i um i had a priest in corvallis his name was father simon and i was just really impressed by how he was very resolute in um his beliefs and mm. his um his view of christianity and even at the behat like not the behest what's the word i'm looking for you know, you knew that there were people in the congregation that disagreed with the things he was saying from time to time. And I found that mm -hmm. exciting. I found it exciting to have a, a faith leader who was, you know, challenging our, our preconceived notions or maybe the things that we had grown up with um, as Christians and, and forcing us to look at it a different way or be better and, um, you know, expand our understanding of who is um, our our sibling in Christ and, and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, of course, I, I also really look up to the priest at my church, Father Don, uh, uh, Diane, um, we don't really call her Mother Diane, Reverend Diane and uh, Reverend Haiti. Mm -hmm. um, they're people that I, I look up to and I ask for spiritual guidance from time to time and they don't always have the answers. They're, mm. they're, and we I don't? think that's also really good. I think that's also really good because yeah. um, they're able to help us talk through things and they have a knowledge that I just don't, but that's a ref that's refreshing being somebody who grew up in a, in a church where, you know, the, what the pastor said is correct. Right. And there's right. no questioning that. Um, and whatever our faith leaders 
understanding of what the Bible, what Jesus is saying to us is correct. And there's no questioning that. Mm-hmm. And where are you supposed to find yourself in that if I'm not allowed to study or or um, talk with people and be wrong from time to time or not know the answer? Um, and I just, I think that's, it's way more healthy. And I'm, I'm so, I'm so honored to have people like that um, in, in charge of, you know, my church and, and leading all of our spirituality. Yeah. Um, there is a question, but I wanted to go to this one first. Um, what, I guess, what does your spiritual practice look like now? Like what would, what, what things do you do in your practice? Yeah. Um, I want to like answer what I used to do, but I'm just not going to, I think hmm. a lot, I find myself, so I'm still part of the the church choir ever since I've been, was asked, I'm going to, you know, I'll take some breaks from here to, and there, but I really enjoy just going to choir practice. I know it probably is annoying to some of the choir members, but we take that time a lot to just like chat and, and, and talk and um, catch each other up. And, and I find that very, uh, spiritual and, um, it really helps build a community, Mm -hmm. um, going to church on Sunday, um, and being part of the choir, but also, you know, um, doing ministries within the church, um, just trying to contribute and make sure that people know that we're here. Um, as far as like, I feel like um, like a normal answer to this question might be maybe not normal, but like a yeah, standard one normal. would be like, <laughs> right? A standard one would be like, oh yes, I pray here and um, every night, or you know, I read my Bible. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I've really moved away from that kind of um, that practice because I get really tired of when people work really hard to memorize like Bible verses out of context. Mm-hmm. Um, or like pray in public. Um, and I, and I just feel like it's very much just like, it should be a private thing. Mm. Um, what I've really realized in my adulthood is that sometimes I know that I've been spoken to by God, you know, mm. here in my heart, yeah. by, by act, like sitting, like kneeling or just being like in my car and driving and, and talking. I think that that's a perfectly valid spiritual experience. But I think a lot of the time, the way that God talks to me is through people I know and people that I respect and people that are my friends that, you know, and especially people who are on the walk with me, um, mm-hmm. knowing that God put us here on earth to be in community with each other. So mm-hmm. why would, why would God not speak to us through those people as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's, a, that's a lot. And just trying to remember that, um, the actions that I do from day to day really do affect people mm-hmm. trying to remember that the, the work that I'm doing is supposed to be furthering God's kingdom here on earth and, um, ensuring that everybody has a place at the table and is loved is, is a lifelong journey. And yeah. I certainly don't think that it's a, it's a thing that we can do any one of us, but knowing that I have a community that is is striving for that is, is very spiritual. And that's, yeah. that's the kind of spirituality I practice right now. For sure. And it sounds like it bleeds out into the rest of your life as well, which is fantastic. You know, like not just when you're like in the church building or with right. people, it sounds like it's happening in reading time. And, you know, when you're at, at Charlie's performing, you know, like it's something that, that I'm sure goes with you everywhere. Um, Angela has a question. Ideally, what does reading time look like in a year? That's a wonderful question. This is these are things I should ask myself actually more often. Um, it's right recorded, now, so you can look back to it. <laughs> right now, my goal is um, in existence. That's what I want reading time mm. to look like. Um, but you know, when we're at our board meetings, we we talk and we say, "What did we do good, and what mm. could we improve upon?" And I and I think that that's really helped because we every I see us really trying to be mindful of the things that we're saying, um, the the books that we're sharing and having a conversation about how, um, you know, the material comments on itself. What are we trying to teach the kids today? You know, it's, right, it's right. more than just about um, our next program is going to be about sewing. It's more than about sewing or it's more than, a, than under the sea. You know, we're learning about friends. We're learning about, mm-hmm. um, you know, persevering, things like that. That's, so I think just strengthening that that commitment to messaging is is one mm-hmm. thing. 
Um, I would hazard to say any additional programs. Right now we do two a month on the same Saturday. So it's a lot of early mornings into the afternoon. Yes. And I don't want to put more work on uh, our board members because that's a, that's a lot. But I think even throughout the pandemic, we've been fine tuning this program. And I think it just needs some more fine tuning. What I'd love to do, I've written a lot of songs for reading time, and I'd love to finish um, an album of those songs so that oh, other drag story hours and other programs like ours can can use that music during their program. Mm -hmm. So if there are any producers in the audience, huh? <laughs> Anybody who comes across mm -hmm. here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all fantastic. And I had a, a comment. I was, oh, and how can folks support you or support reading time? Me? Um, you know, I should say, I just want to like give a big shout out. Uh, I did not ask for donations after this last weekend, but people have found it upon themselves to do it anyways. Um, reading time does not cost that much to put on. I should say that, you know, it's time that, and energy, girl. It's a lot of time and energy. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things that we spend money on are like craft supplies and advertising materials like posters. Um, and that gets really spendy, of course, during like pride season and things like that. And I like to buy, you know, gifts for the kids, seasonal things during like Valentine's and Halloween and Christmas and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if you do give funds to reading time, just know that they're not going towards costumes. <laughs> I pay for that myself. <laughs> um, it's not going, it's not even going towards books. Like I buy the books. They're my books. I have a children's library downstairs. Um, you know, and the, the money is going towards the cost of operating. I'd love to see us um, get really better at representing deaf culture. I think that mm. we've kind of come to a reckoning in our organization about how we've been going about that. Um, so any, I, I think that that's on the docket is making sure that we're, you know, being able to pay for things like interpreters. That'd be really great to be able to do long-term. Um, and how can people support me? I would just say, I can't really, I can't, there's nothing that I can say that I need except for, for my community to be thriving. So, mm -hmm. you know, let your local library, wherever you are, let your local libraries know that you support them. Let your state officials know that you want free speech to be upheld, that you want specifically queer people to ha live comfortable lives in your state and in, in your nation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that will, that will help me a great deal. Definitely. And um, we are pretty much out of the time. There is one more question that I don't know if you can see it. Is that something you want to respond to right now or? Yes, I'll respond to it. Okay. So Teresa says, can reading time in Pokey, that's short for Pocatello for folks who might not be from around there, <laughs> in Pokey be moved to a private business or home so that further problems can be avoided? Um, the answer to this question is, of course, um, we already do our Idaho Falls program at a wonderful bookstore, bookstore, bookstore called Winnie and Moe's, uh, for whom I have only respect. Um, right now, I think that while it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility, the concern of the community is for making sure that the, um, the legitimacy and the integrity of the library is upheld. So I am always thinking about kids first. Um, and I think that it is highly possible that if we did move to a private place, that it would be a move that we were making um, out of, how do I want to say this? We would have to move not because we were running from the library, but because we were running to a bigger, more bright program. So um, I would say just, um, you know, keep tuned in and uh, just know that we're always thinking about maintaining the safety of our community first. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank sounds you for that great. question, Teresa. I know that's mm -hmm. on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, definitely. And then Angela has, a, I think, a comment. I'll go ahead and share that. Um, Angela says, you can write kind words to RT. I'm not sure. Reading time. Yeah. Reading time. And you can speak gently to family that might have the wrong idea about the program. Awesome. Yeah. That's a lot of emotional labor that is, it's difficult for me to be doing, but if people feel like 
taking that on. I, of course, that's, that's wonderful work. Kind, respectful conversations with people that are close to you is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Well, well said. We are all out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we go that maybe you didn't get a chance to speak to, or you just want to put out into the world? I think I said everything that I want to say. I hope that I don't regret saying that I've said everything that I want to say, but you know, Oh, if you want to go, um, if you do want to, uh, see programs um maybe you are you don't have children and so it wouldn't be appropriate for you to see programs you can go to youtube type in reading time of the queens you can see a large catalog of programs that we've been we put on over the years so you can learn more about our program that way awesome great and for folks who are coming across this at another time you can look in the links in the description and uh reach out to miss callie or learn about reading time as well um, also, um, I wanted to invite you, Ms. Callie G, if you're available, to come to the Dragon Spirituality Summit. Um, uh, basically, I host a summit every year where drag artists get together and do spiritual stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it's for drag artists as well as like other spiritual leaders um, for us to share our experience, ex spiritual experiences, to learn from others, and maybe even to have spiritual providers learn from us on how they can best serve us um, in in their, I don't know, their spaces, <laughs> whatever right. those look like, you know? Um, so awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, I think I'm gonna go ahead and say goodbye. Thank Take you. care and uh, join, if folks wanna join me tomorrow, I'm gonna be meeting with Miss Jasmine J from Coeur d'Alene. Again, the link is below. Thanks so much. Take care, Miss Callie G. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Mm -hmm.